for those of you who might be visiting us this morning, it's a special Sunday for us. <clears throat> we call it traditionally Rally Sunday. And um, what it's all about, it's celebrating a new season. Uh, students are coming back to school and uh, many of you are away for the summer with uh, vacations and so forth. And we're regathering and getting ready for what God has for us in this coming season. So in light of that, I felt led by the Lord, strangely enough, to preach this morning on, um, actually on the end times. As we look around the world today, we see a lot of things in turmoil and we can't help but think what on earth is going on and could it possibly be that the Lord may be coming back soon? We don't know, uh, but uh, this, this is what kind of happens when all the th things like this in the world are in turmoil. And uh, when I hear about things of the end times, it always makes me a little nervous, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, the whole point, the whole theme of this sermon this morning is that God is in control. So whether it's end times or maybe you're going through financial difficulties or emotional difficulties, whatever it is, where, wherever there's turmoil in our lives, we need to be reminded that God is in control. So in light of that, I'm going to invite you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke this morning, and we're going to find chapter 21. We're going to look at verse uh, 25 through 28, and then 34 through 36. And I don't believe we have our reader. Was, Jonathan's not here, is that right? Okay, Brianna's going to read for us. As Brianna makes her way to the uh, pulpit, if you're willing and able, would you please stand for the reading of the Word of God? be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud, and power and great glory, with power and great, great glory. So when all these things happen, begin to happen, and stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at, time, at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Well, Lord, we thank you for, these are your words, not somebody writing about you. These are your actual words to the disciples and ultimately to us. So we pray this morning that we would hear from you. Uh, nobody wants to hear from a man. They want to hear from you, God, from the Spirit of God. So please, Lord, prepare us for whatever you have for us. And, and would you encourage us in all of this? We pray for this and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. Thank you, Bree. <clears throat> now, as we begin this morning, uh, once again, I want to remind us that that God is in control. Uh, this is a special time of year, uh, particularly for the church, but it's a special time of year for any of your Jewish friends. Uh, they have Yom Kippur coming, they have uh, Rosh Hashanah coming, but one of the celebrations in the fall is called the, uh, what is it called? It's called the Feast of First Fruits. Now what that's all about through their tradition and throughout the centuries was, they, they uh, are celebrating the ingathering of the harvest that God has given to them. Now what that is in actuality is a picture for them and for us that someday God has made a promise that he's going to, to do the, the great ingathering 
of his people to himself. At some point in, at a time in history, he is going to call his people to himself and there's going to be a great and dramatic change. This world will pass away, the world that we know, see, hear, feel, and touch will change and it'll be replaced with a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. Now, when we hear that, it can make us a little uncomfortable. It, it, I remember throughout the years when I was here that as a, as a child, I would be very uncomfortable. In fact, I'd be a little kind of worried about the whole thing. But as I've gotten older, I feel like the, uh, like the apostles of old in that they had a phrase that they used and it's throughout the scriptures. And the Greek word is maranatha. You'll see it at the very end of the book of Revelation, maranatha. And what it means is that they, they would say to one another, even so, Lord Jesus, come soon. As I look at the world and I see all the turmoil and the heartache and the brokenness, I'm anxious, getting more anxious for the return of the Lord and for him to change this world into the beautiful creation that he, that he intends it to be. Now, what I want to do is I want to give you three reasons, despite all the turmoil that we see in the world, uh, why you and I can be very confident that God is in control and that you and I can have, uh, we, can, we can grow in our faith because he is definitely in control. So what I would ask you to do, if you have not taken out the, uh, the handout that looks like this, would you do that? Because I've got several words that I want you to write down. And the first reason that we can be very confident that God is in control is because God, listen to this now, God has a divine plan. Would you write that word down, plan? God has a divine plan. Now here's what I mean. If you look at the overhead, you'll see a passage from Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And here's what John sees at the end of the story of the book of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth. Now watch this, had passed away. So he's talking about this world in which we live in. It suddenly passes away before his very eyes and there was no longer any sea. Now it passes away because it's replaced with the beauty of God's original creation. And what this is all is helping us understand that whatever's going on in the world, whatever's going on in your life, God has a goal and he's moving all of history through the centuries and ages. He's moving all of history towards that goal that someday the earth is going to be restored. And it's something to encourage all those who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. But it obviously has not happened yet. And consequently, we see the words of Jesus. Now, what the context of the story is, the disciples came to him and they said, Lord, we, you say you're coming back. How are we going to know? What's it going to be like? What can we look for? So he's, giving, he's telling them exactly what's going to happen just prior to his return. So listen what, once again to what he says in verse 25. And there will be strange signs in the sun and moon and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. Verse 26, listen to this. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. So he's saying that the natural order that you and I are very used to will suddenly, it'll be distorted. Strange things will be happening. Now, we look around the world today and we can see some pretty frightening things. You can see what's going on in the Middle East. We can see what's going on in our own country in a lot of ways, and it's, it can be very disturbing. We can think, well, does this, are, these, are these signs? Are these what Jesus is talking about in this passage? And does it mean that he's coming back soon? Well, the truth of the matter is, um, for 2,000 years, believers have been convinced that whatever age that they were living in, that that was the age that Jesus was coming back. 
So how do we discern? How do we sort through all of this and, and make some, side of a, some sort of a determination of what on earth is going on? Well, what I want to, uh, to present to you this morning, I believe with all of my heart that we are living in very, very unique times and that we may very well be, in fact, maybe not in the last days, but we may be headed in that direction very quickly. And uh, what I want to do is I want to give you, spend the next few moments, it's going to be a little confusing, I'll tell you that right up front, but hang in there with me, it'll work. I want to give you some historical landmarks that will help you understand some of God's biblical prophecies to help you understand the times that you live in right now. So if you have a pencil out, what I want you to do, I want you to look at your outline, and uh, the first thing, you'll see a blank there, and then you'll see the letters AD. I want you to write the number 70 down there. Would you do that for me? Write the number 70, and here's why. What I'm talking about is 70 A.D. Jesus lived from 1 to 33 A.D. 70 A.D. was 37 years after what he said in the scriptures that we've just read this morning. That was a very, very powerful and critical year, and here's, here's why, a number of reasons. First of all, God had told his people, the Israelites, throughout the Old Testament that if you disobey me, if you obey me, I will bless you, but if you disobey me, there'll come a time in your life in which uh, I will scatter you throughout the world. Now, before 70 AD, the, uh, the Israelites, the Jewish people, were all one people in one location at a time. For example, they were in Israel. God had led them to Israel. But they had disobeyed God. He sent the Babylonians in, and they took them captive for 70 years, and all of them went to Babylon together. From Babylon, they, the Babylonians, uh, which is modern-day Iraq, they were defeated by the Persians, which is the modern-day uh, Iranians. When they took over uh, the, the Babylonians, they, they inherited the Jewish people, and God used them to bring the Jewish people back to their homeland. But they all came as a people back to their homeland. Uh, the Persians were then defeated by the Macedonians, the Greeks, Alexander the Great. You remember that in eighth-grade world history. Well, he inherited them in the land of Canaan, and then the Romans took over the Greeks afterwards. But the point is, they were all together each time that these great empires took over. But all of that changed in 70 AD, and it changed because they rejected the Messiah that God had sent to them. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, 44, I have that on your outline. I won't read it, but I encourage you to look it up this week. Jesus, the scripture says that he wept over Jerusalem because they did not recognize the time of his coming to them. They did not recognize that God had sent their Messiah to them. And in fact, they crucified him. And because they crucified him, 70 AD came into play. And that was the year that the, uh, the Israelites rebelled against Rome and Rome came in and burned down their temple. And then here's what happened. What's called the diaspora happened. And that means that they were, for the first time in their history, they were dispersed all throughout the world. That's why there's Jewish people everywhere in the world. So it was a very important historical point in history, a biblical point in history. For the first time ever, the Jewish people were scattered throughout the world. Now you say, what on earth does that have to do with us in end times? Be patient. Be patient. Because what happens next is critical. 2,000 years later, we come to the, the date, the next date I want you to write down is 1948. Write that down on your outline if you would. 1948 is a critical year because in 1917, the British Empire defeated the Ottoman Empire and they wrote out what was called, the British Empire wrote out what was called the Balfour Declaration 
and the Balfour Declaration, for the first time in 2,000 years, gave the land back, the, the land that we know of as Israel today, gave it back to the Jewish people. And then in 1948, a critical point in history, they became a nation for the first time in 2,000 years. Incredible what, what we're seeing unfold right before our eyes. Now, why this is important is because of, of write this down if you would, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 3. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 3. And I want you to look that up this week in your Bible, and here's what it says. God declares to the prophet, I will make Jerusalem a stumbling block for all nations. And the truth of the matter is what we're seeing right now is Jerusalem is becoming a stumbling block for all the nations of the world. And we're going to see that unfold in the next couple of weeks. There's going to be a UN resolution that's going to be very controversial. And we're going to see that Israel will be isolated more and more. And Israel will become more and more of a stumbling block to all the nations of the earth. Now, the next passage, that, to start pulling this together, to help you understand, if you look at the bottom of your, of your outline, you'll see Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Let me read it to you. God declares this. At a point in history, he says, And I will pour out on the house of David, or on the land of Israel, the Jewish people, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, there you go, a spirit of great, listen to this, of grace and supplication. They, the, the Jewish people, will look on me, the one they have pierced. Now that should bring to your mind that Jesus was pierced. He was crucified on a cross by the Jewish people and the Romans. And they, the Jewish people, will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. Remember John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not, be, shall not perish. And they will grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Now what is going on? What the prophet is declaring is, first of all, someday God said, I will scatter you throughout the world, but then I will bring you back from every corner of the world. Now, the Hebrew word for that is aliyah, and that's what we're seeing right now. Jewish people from all over the world are coming back to Jerusalem, coming back to Israel, and it's causing all kinds of problems. Now, there's a reason for that. God is bringing them back from all over the world because he's preparing them and he's preparing the land, the land of Jerusalem, the land of Israel, for the return of Jesus Christ to that land. And that's what Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10 is saying, that when Jesus Christ comes back, the Jewish people, as a people, well, for the first time in 2,000 years, God is getting them ready for that. They are going to recognize him finally as their Messiah. So he is getting them ready, but he's getting the world ready for the return of Jesus Christ. So you and I are living in an amazing time in history because we are seeing this unfold right before our very eyes that God is preparing that land, he's preparing those people, and he's preparing everybody in the world for the return of Jesus. And in Zechariah chapter 14, it says that he will come back and he will stand upon the, the Mount of Olives. Now, I'm sharing this with you because when, once again, we see the world in growing turmoil, there's a reason for it. God has a divine plan, and he's working that plan out perfectly according to what's pleasing to him. He's working all of history out to bring about what is good for all of us, and particularly for all of those who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, which comes to the second point that we need to understand. If God has a divine plan, then listen to this, God has a divine people. Would you write that word down? God has a divine people. Now, I'm going to read, as you write it down, I'm going to read for you a passage 
Unfortunately, I gave Norma the wrong uh, scripture uh, that's on the overhead. And what I want to do is read from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, rather than verse 19. And I want you to listen to what Peter says about you before he even knew you were born. He says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That you may, here's what you're to do. You are to declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Now listen to me. If you have trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are part of his divine family. It's not because you've done anything right or you've done anything wrong. You simply humbled yourself before him. You have repented of your sin. You've recognized that you sinned against him. You've repented of your sin. And you've trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. The moment that you do that, the moment that I did that, God forgave me of my sin once and for all forever, and he filled me with eternal life, filled me with the Holy Spirit. And that's what God did to you the moment that he trust, you trusted in him as Lord and Savior. So that means, because of your faith in Christ, you have become a member of his divine family. You are part of his divine people in the world. Now it's critically important if we are moving into the last days or if we are moving into the end times. And here's why, because Jesus is speaking to you in verse 28. Listen to what he says on your outline. So when all these things, listen to this, when all these things begin to happen, take a pencil, would you, and circle that, begin to happen. He says, when you see these things begin to happen, here's what you to do. Stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Stand and look up. Now, just prior to this passage, if you read that, Jesus was talking about what I told you about, uh, 70 AD when Jerusalem was destroyed, and he was warning the people, and he was saying, when you begin to see Jerusalem is about to be destroyed, then you are to flee for the hills. Get out of town as fast as you can. But when he's speaking to the future event, when he's speaking to us in these days, he does not say flee. Quite the contrary. He says, now you are to stand and look up. Stand and look up to, to, because our salvation is drawing near. That the, the scriptures say in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we do not fix our eyes on what is unseen, but what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary. This world is temporary. We fix our eyes on Jesus because he's eternal. So in the turmoil of life, we are fixing our eyes on the Lord. And when the difficulties come in, we are not to flee, we're not to fall apart, we're to stand and look and fix our eyes on the Lord. We are to be strong in him. And here's why. There will be people all around us that will be terrified and they will begin to fall apart and they're going to need people like you that know exactly what God's divine plan is. You know exactly that you are part of his, his divine family and that you have answers for their life by pointing them to Jesus Christ because he says that your salvation is near. Now what's important about that is that uh, theologians tell us uh, a very interesting phrase. For those who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, they tell us that we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Now what they mean is this. The moment that you trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior, you were eternal, eternally saved by trusting in Christ as Lord and Savior. God forgave you of your sins and he gave you eternal life. 
but you're still living in a broken world. You still have an old sin nature. So you're being saved in that while you and I are in this world, God is conforming us to be more and more like Jesus through, through uh, circumstances of life, through our worship together, through the word of God, through our prayers. All of these things God uses to form and fashion us to be more like Jesus. But someday he's going to come back. And when he comes back, the Apostle Paul says that we're going to get a new body. And the, the Spirit is going to be in us. We're going to be brand new people forever and ever. And amen. In fact, I pulled out a passage for you. If you look at the uh, second side of your paper, you'll see 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In the middle of the paper. And Paul says, In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. We are God's divine people. And consequently, God does not want us to fall apart when things get difficult. Instead, he wants us to stand, to look up, to fix our hearts and our minds on Christ Jesus because he wants to work in us and through us to bring a blessing to those who are frightened by tumultuous things that will come upon the world suddenly. So God has a divine plan, but he also has a divine people. The, the third thing that you and I need to understand to, to be comforted and know that God is in control. The third thing that you need to understand, if you look at the, the uh, bottom of your paper, that good, God has a divine appointment. God has a divine appointment for each and every one of us, and none of us will be late for that appointment. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us, every single one of us, may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now for those who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can look up Revelation chapter 20 sometime this week. Uh, they have an appointment with him, and that appointment is going to be, quite frankly, terrifying. But the appointment that you and I have with Jesus Christ, uh, that, that Jesus is talking about when we stand before the Son of Man, it's going to be an appointment in which we will be rewarded for the good that we've done by faith in Christ, but we will also lose the rewards for the things that we've done in life without faith in Jesus. So what it tells us and what Jesus is saying and what he says throughout the Gospels and what Paul says throughout the letters is you've got to determine how you're going to invest your life while you're in this world. Peggy and I watched a movie. I forget what it was. It was, wasn't all that great. Uh, we watched a movie last week, but there was one scene that was particularly good. Unfortunately, a person had died, and people were gathered at the gravesite, and the preacher said something interesting. He said, look at the tombstone. There are two dates there. The first date is when this person was born, and the second date was when this person passed away, when this person died. But in between those two dates was a dash, and that dash represented their life while they were in this world. Now listen, you've got a date on your birth certificate. Someday there's going to be a date on your tombstone. Right now, you're living in that dash. How are you investing your life while you're here in this world? You see, if you believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, God wants you to invest your life in Him so that He can invest His life in you, so that He can use you in mighty and wonderful ways as you grow and exercise faith in Him. But at the same time, you can be a Christian and plain and simply waste your life. But you still got to face Jesus. 
you still got to stand before him someday and give an account of why you wasted this beautiful gift of eternal life that he gave to you. And that's why he says what he says. Listen to this. In the, uh, if you look at verse 34 with me. Watch out. Watch out how you invest your life. Watch out how you live your life while you're in this world. It's going to go by very quickly. He then says, don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness. And don't let your, your life be dulled by the worries of life. Now, you might not drink. You might not do those things. But how much of your, of your life are you spending worrying about everything else? And God said it's the same thing. You're wasting your life. We, in so many ways, we waste our life. God wants us to invest our lives in, in his good things. He goes on to say, don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. It's going to come suddenly. Nobody knows the day or the hour, but it's going to come in a blink of an eye. There'll be no preparation. He goes on to say, keep alert at all times. And when the scripture says keep alert, what they're talking about, what God is talking about, is your spiritual relationship with him. That's, that's alertness. That's investing your life. What is your prayer life like? Do you just cry out to God when you have a need? Or are you on your knees before God for everything and saying, God, I want more of you in my life. I want to experience more of your love in my life. I want to be a vessel, an instrument in your hands to be used by you in this crazy, broken up world. Because he goes on to say, and pray that you might be strong, strong enough. See, Jesus is saying, there's going to be tumultuous times that come. It's a fact. It's going to happen. But if you're praying, you're going to be stronger. If you're worshiping, you're going to be stronger. If you're studying the scriptures, you're going to be stronger. If you're fellowshipping and loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're going to be stronger. You're going to be the person that God wants you to be. Because he says that we need to escape these coming horrors, and here's your phrase, and stand before the Son of Man. Once again, we've got a divine appointment ahead. But listen, friends, God is in control. But will you let him control you? That's the question. Will you let him control your life? Will you submit yourself to him? Will you participate in the divine plan that he has for you? Will you recognize that you're one of his divine people and living out a life that's pleasing uh, to God? Being motivated, knowing that someday you're going to stand before God. You're not, you're not going to escape that. And once again, you're not going to be late for that. Let me give you three ways you can do exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Three ways that we emphasize in the life of this church that will help you. And if you look at the bottom of the second half of your paper, the first word you're going to see on the right is the word worship. And what I want you to write down beside that is celebrate. That's what worship is all about. It's celebrating God. Jesus said you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength that there would be nothing between you and God except your love for him because he's pouring out his love for you in your heart and in your life if you trust in him as, as Lord and Savior. And so his desire is that you would worship him, you would celebrate him, that you and I would celebrate. That's why Sunday morning is so critical and so important for all of us. It's the beginning of the week. And when we come here together, what we're declaring to God and to the world around us, Lord, we are putting you first in our lives. We want to celebrate you and love you and praise you. So we're, we're not going to put other things before you on Sunday morning. We're going to be here with our brothers and sisters and celebrating the love that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. So we want to encourage you to worship God. Worship God on Sunday morning, but every moment of every day of the week. 
Secondly, we want, I want you to look at the word fellowship, and you can write down the word connect beside that. Now, what that means is, if you are a part of God's divine family, you've got brothers and sisters in Christ all around you. And quite frankly, they're depending upon you, and you depend upon them. In our land, we want to we pull our, ourselves up by the bootstraps. We want to do everything as great individuals. But that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about a family. That's what a church is. It's a local family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is our brother, and God is our father. And so God wants us to connect to one another, to be in fellowship with one another, to get to know one another, to love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. So that's why over the next few weeks, we're providing this, this program. What on earth am I here for? We're going to provide small groups for you to become part of. The question is, will you do it? Will you humble yourself before God? Will you do what God is calling you to do? Will you join in with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Open up the word of God together. Learn what God has for you. Have people loving you and caring for you and you doing likewise for people around you. But only you can make that decision. But that's God's call upon your life. Jesus said the second command is like the first, to lo love your neighbor as yourself. But there's a third one, and the third one is to serve God. Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to, to uh, be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for the many. And the C word that you can write down there is contribute. Are you contributing to the life of the church that you attend? When you came to know Christ as Lord and Savior, you got a spiritual gift, but you really got multitudes of spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts were not for you, they're for the rest of us, that you might serve us and we might serve you in the church. But at the same time, you have a mission in your life. Last week I asked you a question, I'm going to ask you the same question this week. Will there be, will there be anybody in heaven because of you? Are you praying for family members that do not know Jesus? Are you sharing your faith with people that do not know Jesus? That's the mission that we have in the world. This is a broken world. And people are in desperate need of the love of Christ. But how are they going to hear about the love of Christ unless you and I tell them about the love of Christ? So there is tumultuous times that we're living in. Chances are it could get a whole lot worse. But you and I can be comforted because you and I know that God is in control. And he proves it to us because he's got a divine plan. He's got divine people. It's you and me and all who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior throughout the entire globe. And we're reminded to motivate us that we've got a divine appointment coming. Years ago, there was a couple that was in this church, wonderful couple, uh, Dick and Ginny Sharon. And some of you have heard this story, but many of you haven't. Uh, we all used to get together on Sunday mornings for adult Sunday school. And uh, one winter Sunday, Dick came in and uh, he was telling us in the uh, adult Sunday school class that he had just talked to a very close friend, a couple that he knew very well, who had been on a skiing trip in Colorado. And uh, they were rather shaken because uh, the woman said that, uh, the wife said that while they were on vacation, she got in her car and uh, drove down the road to go someplace to get uh, groceries, food, whatever it was. And as she was traveling down the highway, she could see up ahead, there were two young men that were hitchhiking. 
Now she said, she, for, for, she, to this day, she can't understand why she did what she did, but she felt compelled to pull over and pick these two guys up. Now she said, I wouldn't pick one person, I wouldn't pick a person up, it was a girl, because it's, it's too dangerous. But for some reason, I felt compelled to pull over the side of the road and pick, pick these two guys up. So they get into the back seat of the car, and she uh, heads on down the road, and they're making small talk. All of a sudden, one of them says, Jesus is coming very soon. Well, she was kind of stunned. She looked in her rearview rear mirror to uh, respond to what, the, what one of them said, and when she looked in the rearview mirror, they had disappeared. There was nobody there. She was obviously shooken up. She pulled over to the side of the road. A few minutes later, a state trooper pulls up behind her. He gets out of his car, taps on her window, and he says, ma'am, are you all right? What, is there any, any problem? She uh, looked at him, told the story, and then he looked at her and he said, you're the third person that's told me that today. Jesus is coming back soon. And he's coming back soon because he's got a divine plan. And that plan is lived out through his divine people, people like you and me. But in that plan, we are reminded that we have an appointment to motivate us to live for him. But in all the turmoil, we don't have to be fearful because we're reminded God is in control. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you that you are in control. And when we look around the world today and we look at our own lives, it can feel like we are spinning out of control. But we are reminded today that you have a divine plan, that you are the creator of the universe. And we need to, to get centered in you. We are your people through faith in Jesus. We need to live for you. And we're reminded that someday we've got to stand before you. So Lord, I pray for everybody that's attending here this morning and those that uh, were not able to come. I pray, Father, that you would build us up and strengthen us and that we would think deeply about what you've shared with us in the Word of God. There very well may be troubled times ahead. But if there are, God, we need to be able to stand and look up. We need to be able to stand up. We need to be able to point people to Jesus. Now, you may be here this morning, and all of this might sound a little strange to you. And it might not make sense to you. Well, that might be the case because it just may be that you have never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And listen, I'm not saying this to scare you, but you've got an appointment with God someday. And without Jesus, that's going to be a very frightening appointment. So he's speaking into your life right now. And he's giving you an opportunity right now. The Apostle Paul said, today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week, not, because you don't know if you've got tomorrow. You don't know if you've got next week. So today is the day that you need to humble yourself before God. Today is the day you need to seize this opportunity that I'm laying right at your feet, putting it in your lap, and calling you to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And here's what's happening. I'm praying for you right now. And what I want to do is I want to lead you through a little prayer. It's not the prayer that's going to save you. It's whether or not you are willing to humble yourself 
to repent of your sin and open your heart to the love and grace that God has for you right now. And what I want to do is lead you through this prayer. And what you're going to do is repeat out. I'll tell you exactly what to say. You don't have to say it out loud. Say it in the quietness of your own mind. God knows your every thought before you even think it. And I want you to seize this opportunity and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And here's what you say. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I've sinned against you. Say that with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I've sinned against you. I am sorry for my sins. Say that to God. I repent. I'm sorry for my sins. Say this. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. And then say this. Here and now, Lord, right now, God, come into my heart, come into my heart, and be my Lord and Savior. Say that. Be my Lord and Savior. And then say, Lord, I want to live my life for you. I want to live my life for you. I don't want to live according to the world anymore. I don't want to live according to my fears. I don't want to live according to my doubts. I don't want to live according to my anger, my bitterness, my unforgiveness. I give it all up, and I want to live for you instead. And then say thank you. That's all faith can do is say thank you. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, we'll keep our heads bowed for a moment and our eyes closed. If you've prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you if you'd do me a favor. Let me know before you go. Uh, we're going to have some dinner together in just a few minutes. It'll be a great time to come up and talk to me or come up and talk to one of the deacons, whatever it may be. And that's a way of sealing the deal. Say, I've, I've received Jesus as Lord and Savior today. And let us celebrate with you. In the meantime, Lord, just a reminder to the rest of us that through faith, whatever that was in our lives, that we said that prayer, we came to faith in Jesus. And maybe we've fallen away from you and today's the day we're coming back. We've had enough of this world, and we're going to start living for you. We're rededicating ourselves to you. So whatever it may be, God, we're here to celebrate you, to praise you, and to thank you for everything. And we do this from the bottom of our hearts, and we pray for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen.